He's a canon explorer of light. He's published more books related to photography than pretty much anyone I know. And his one-line photo tips are in the back of my head every photo shoot that I do. It's the godfather of photography on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to another episode of Behind the Shot. As always, I'm your host, Steve Brazel. Nice to have you along. Make sure that you check out our website, BehindTheShot.tv. And if you would, if you're in iTunes or anything like that, make sure to head by, drop us a review, and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcatcher app. That way you'll get each and every episode delivered right to you. So today's episode, he doesn't even know this yet. But today's episode is kind of special to me because this is somebody who is now on for the third time. And part of the reason for that is this person has so many photo tips that literally every time I go do a photo shoot, it's in the back of my head. Dead center is deadly. You know, things like that. He's got all of them. And again, he doesn't know this yet. This is episode number 50. Rick Salmon, welcome to the show. Hey, man, how are you? It is so great to be back. And you left off that uh, we're really good friends. We went out shooting in Red Rock, uh, Red Rock Canyon after Photoshop World. So thank you so much for having me back again on this special show. And it's, I love your podcast. You're doing an amazing job. Not only, not only do you have the best voice out there for a podcast, but you're so knowledgeable. And for you to share your information and your knowledge about rock star photography and all your personal projects. It's, it's just so cool to know you, my friend. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, we had a blast out. We were at a Photoshop World once. And by the way, if you've never, if you've been to Vegas and you've never gone out to Red Rock, uh, as Rick mentioned, you got to go out to Red Rock. It's a blast to shoot. It's really fun to hike, take your animals with you. It's a fun place to go. But it's funny because this podcast was a great deal inspired by you because I've listened to your podcasts over the years and you've had a number of them. So let's kind of recap where you're at now. I mentioned in the intro that you are a Canon Explorer of Light. Uh, I just had another Canon Explorer of Light on, David Bergman, who was on your podcast we'll touch on in a second. Explain to the listeners your kind of view of the role of a Canon Explorer of Light. <laughs> well, I'm laughing because, Steve, just the other day, someone said to me, how do you get to be a Canon Explorer of Light? Because I've been one since uh, 2003. I said, write 27 books, and they might call you up and ask you to be a Canon Explorer of Light. <laughs> yeah. So I've... <laughs> So I've been using Canon since 1996. I switched to Canon in 1996, and then in 2003 they asked me to be in the program. And what the program's all about is, you know, they send us around to to spread the word about photography, making pictures rather than just taking pictures, and um, you know, talking about the new products. Like I've been using the new Canon R mirrorless camera, which is just amazing. <laughs> I want to I talk about I that one too. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought I'd go mirrorless, but the touchscreen and the live view, the live histogram and the viewfinder, the level, it's like, you know, like fighter, fighter pilots, you know, they have the heads up display, mm -hmm. like when they're flying around. So this is like looking through the viewfinder, looking at the screen. It's like a heads up display. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah, it's also, I, I like the size. I like a lot. In fact, I did a show on with Don Komarechka on his uh, Photo Geek Weekly about a, a lot of the new camera announcements. Um you you have have you hit forty books by now? Well, actually, uh, we have thirty eight, and uh, Susan, my wife, and I, who you know, who's with us out there on that right. shoot, and thanks again for taking us out there at oh dark thirty, <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to catch the, the sunrise. Well, and it was pretty nice, right? Yeah, uh, we're, we're working on uh, we're doing some travel books now. So uh, we have the Route sixty six book, which we talked about last time, which I time. own. 
And thank you uh, very oh, and much for why the, why you're on that book. Okay. So we went to visit friends in Santa Fe. I think I texted you a picture while we were oh, there. And did, we right. bought a second copy of the book for them. And as I give it to him and she's flipping through it, she sees a photo and says, oh my God, that's where we're going to dinner tonight. And it was Maria's. And wow. So Wasn't Maria's good? Oh, amazing. But But that kind of makes the point of the book, right? Which is... It's not just stuff you went to. You really found really good spots. It's a, it is a photography book, but it's a travel book. You know, the subtitle is How to Eat, Stay, Shoot, and Play Like a Pro. So we have all this fun stuff in it, and the photo tips, of course. But we just came back from the Oregon coast for the fifth time. And uh, actually, I was just talking to Susan uh, five minutes ago. We're, uh, we're 90 percent done, but uh, done with that book. So the Oregon Coast Photo Road Trip book is going to come out next uh, next May. So that'll be 39. That'll be 39. So maybe you and I can collaborate, do something for like for the 40th book, like rock star photography. I would love to. It'd be an honor to, to, to do a book or any project with you, my friend. So. Class-wise, I mentioned the fact your salmonisms, your kind of one-line photo tips, and I've heard so many of them, and I'm not joking when I say it. I was out shooting a promo shoot for a, a blues guitarist not long ago, and first of all, you're a accomplished musician as well, so you're in my head anyway, but uh, so many of your salmonisms kind of hit my head. You are, to me, as much as you are a world-class photographer, you're an educator, so at Kelby One, I went and looked. It looks like you have 18 classes at Kelby One, and anybody can go see the interview that you did with Calibra Kelby. And I found that interview really fascinating when you did it because it's not your normal, you know, it's not this type of thing, right? It's not, hey, how did you get started in photography? And, oh, what's your favorite aperture? No, it it got really personal at times. Well, I think she's really good at that, and she does. She does, interviews a lot of the Kelby One instructors, and she asks she asks a lot of uh, interesting questions because you know people know me as a photographer, right? They see me talking about like you just said, Steve, you know the f-stops, the apertures, and all that stuff, or they see me playing guitar, but you know they don't know that like. Uh, you know, when my wife Susan's away, I have I have tongs and I cook a hot dog like on the gas stove in the kitchen, and there's like grease all over, but it tastes delicious. Men so. will be men. <laughs> yeah, or that I, that I love weed I love weed whacking. You know, I love I love cutting the lawn. When I come back from a trip, before I download my pictures, I cut the lawn. So it's I interesting. Think- <laughs> That's something we have in common. Somebody said to me the other day when I was mowing, the, I, I can't. I broke a rib, so I haven't been mowing, and I got a gardener, and they said, "Oh, oh you no. have a gardener." I said, "No." I only have it because I broke a rib and I can't do the yard and it's driving me nuts because he's not doing it. How'd you break the rib? Jiu-jitsu. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you photograph rock stars, right? Yep. So did you ever photograph Bon Jovi? No, but David Bergman is their photographer, yeah. Right, he's he's a, he's their photographer. So we were joking when he was on our show, and I know you had a great interview on your show about uh, three years ago. Bon Jovi was in an Advil commercial because he, he was like jumping around a lot. <laughs> so I was so maybe you could contact Advil and get him a sponsor as one of your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I broke my rib, but I could still do the podcast. Which is interesting. That's one of the shots I love of Bergman's. Actually, is there's there's a photo of Bon Jovi sitting back in the dressing room wrapping his knee, and yeah. That was the night that he hurt his knee uh, on yep. stage. Um, as, as Not only do you do photography and education on the scale of a Kelby One, which is kind of like the de facto standard for online photo training, but you also, 
I didn't even realize this until I started looking through your site. As much as I know about you, I still always review before a show. I didn't realize you do private coaching. So seriously, people, if if you want really good coaching one-on-one with a world-class photographer, this is your guy. And there's going to be links to everything in the blog post on BehindTheShot.tv, which, which brings us to your shot. And I remember... Before I bring it up, I remember watching you post this series of images that you took on, on one of your trips uh, to social media, because I do follow you on social media. And throughout this show, your social media links and your URLs are popping up uh, as a lower third under you, but they're also in the blog post at BehindTheShot.tv. But as I'm seeing these pictures come up, I couldn't help but wonder to myself, how do you even pull something like a photo shoot like that off in Venice. So let me let me pull up this this photo for people to see because there's so many things in this that relate again to the the one-liner things that you do. So first let's talk about this. Does this shot have a name this this Venice image with the three girls in the room? Well, uh it doesn't have a name, but it's interesting that you said the three girls in the room. Uh and maybe uh, I, I'm gonna. I could play on that to come up with the name after I ask you a question. You see these girls and the and the viewers see these uh, these uh, these models. How old do you think these mo- these models are? Oh wow! Because you said girls. See now you just put me. If, if I go too old, I'm in trouble. I would actually okay. say that these ladies look young in their twenties. Right. So that's what I thought because they have these masks on. So they they don't charge. They don't charge. What? You, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of models like this in Venice during Carnivale, which happens at Valentine around Valentine's Day every uh, year, and this is in a palace. And the uh, people that uh, were doing the uh, uh, running the workshop, they arranged the palaces. There's a lot of workshops out there. This this was done by my friend Ken Koshkala and Renee Doyle. So they they booked the palaces and they booked the models. So they don't charge, but they want pictures. So I said, could I have your card? So the woman took off her glove in the foreground, and I looked at her hand, and it looked like my mother's hand when she was like, you know, 70. These are three sisters. They're all in their 70s. Oh, you... 70s? 7-0. They're all in their 70s. And Steve, how cool is this, that they could put on these costumes and be, like you said, girls again. They could be in their 20s again. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So see that, that really went to one of my early questions I had in my notes was tell me about the models and the costumes in the place. So yeah. you said this is in a palace, obviously in Venice, Italy. I, when I say Venice, it's not Venice yes. Beach, California. It's Venice, right. Italy. And the room is what you would expect in Europe and, and Venice in, in a palace. It's, it's ornate and the curtains and it's, you know, two stories high, the room and the beautiful floors and rugs and, and, and tile work and everything. And right. you have, for those that are listening to the audio feed, you have uh, a foreground model. This is the other interesting thing to me. You have a foreground model, you have a midground model, and you have a background model, which is wonderful. The costumes, they bring the costumes? They make new costumes every year. There's dozens of models again, and or hundreds of models. And every year they come up with a new costume. The year before they had white costumes. So they spend a year making the costumes and they just go to have fun and to have the pictures. And they all have different websites. Uh, uh, these are called the Rose Sisters. And they're just so nice to work with. And there are a couple of other things about this photograph. 
uh, everything in the scene is in focus because when I take a picture like this, I want everything to look like it looks to my eyes. So that's a wide angle and small aperture and focusing one third into the scene, meaning I'm not relying on where the camera's going to focus. Okay, let's let's hit that for a minute. So I looked up the EXIF data on this shot, assuming it's correct, and you, you never know once it goes through a Photoshop or something. But it said this was a 5D Mark IV. Correct. 16 to 35, 2.8L Mark III, which I have sitting next to me, and it's just, it's such a sharp lens. Right. But the exposure information confused me. I'm not going to lie. So Good. it was F8, which makes right. sense because you wanted the depth of field. And it's 16, or actually, I think this was around 22 millimeters. Um, F8 is going to give you huge depth of field at that wide. Yes. ISO 1000, F8, and 1 60th of a second. And when I heard that, I understand it's wide angle and a 60th is fine for portraits. But you're only at ISO 1000. And I'm thinking in my head, the way I shoot... Why not go to one, you know, why not go to 1600 and get yourself, you know, a hundredth of a second for, for protection and on stabilizing? What made you choose such a low shutter? Well, first of all, it's a daylight fill and flare shot. Oh. And you can see there's bright windows in the back. So without the flash, the models were silhouetted. So here's the funny thing about the story. We, we're on a workshop, Steve, and we have, uh, there were 12 people in the workshop. So basically, we're setting up the shot for the workshop students. And for me, there's only one perfect place to take the picture. So I know the uh, audio listeners can't see it, but, you know, I wanted to isolate each subject. And the background was a little busy. So I'm finding the exact best position to pose the models so they're separated from the background. That's the first thing. So <clears throat> the thing is, with the light coming through the background, they were silhouetted. So I knew this is, before I left home, I knew this is one of the types of pictures that I wanted to take. So I brought my Canon uh, Speedlight in a Westcott Apollo softbox. <coughs> so it's one Canon Speedlight in a Westcott Apollo softbox, which I'm triggering with my Canon STE3, which is an on-camera um, wireless So this is your normal 24 by 24 Westcott small softbox? Yes, correct, which I hand-carried because I knew it was so important. And, of course, there's a line of people. Uh, and everyone's, you know, some people aren't ready. They're fumbling around. They have to get back in line. They don't know what they're doing because, again, it's not exactly a line, but there's really only one place to take a picture, right? I, I, you find this with your rock star uh, uh, pictures, I'm sure, that if you're on the side and there's like a microphone growing out of the guy's head or someone in drinking a beer, having coffee in the back, it's not going to be a great shot. So you're going to think about that the best position, right? So I said to the people, because they see me there with the softbox and the this and the transmitter, and I said to them, I said, guess what? I'm going to be in my position for 57 seconds, and I'll be out of there. And I said this before, you know, about 10 minutes before it was my turn to shoot. And, and I was out of there in about 45 seconds because before I got up there, and this is good advice if you're photographing strangers or photographing with people you want to test everything you want to know exactly what you want to do like you're not going to go to your rock star th uh, an event and say oh i don't know what lens i'm going to use uh, right. i i don't know what i right it's the same thing yeah so anyway i, I put in position i put the softbox up and it was the that was the first shot i took i took others but that was the first i wish we could show i wish i had sent you the silhouetted shot 
uh, because it's, you know, you can't even see their faces. But and again, don't know if your uh, viewers can see this, but you can see inside these masks. Yes, you the, can. See, you can. The, that's because it's a daylight fill-in flash. So I'd where's also, the softbox? It's obviously off camera. You're, you're here. It's, it's right. camera right? Yes, it's camera right. So to answer your question, why did I choose that? I didn't want it to look like a flash picture. So I'm balancing the light from the flash to the available light. So with those settings that you mentioned before, that gave me a good natural light exposure. That way I could turn on my flash. And it was a little hot. So th from the camera, I dialed down the flash exposure just about uh, a third of a stop. And I was able to get a nice uh, shot. Which and then I used the – go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so now that makes total sense. So the, the ISO was kind of fixed for the ambient – Aperture mostly right. adjusts the flash, so at f8, you already know you want f8 for your depth of field, and at that point, your shutter speed is going to adjust and control more or less ambient as you want to balance that flash. Uh, so when you, I, I'm curious about this because I, as you know, for for concert photography, I'm not able to use right. you know flash right, so I don't do a lot of flash unless I'm doing promo shots. So soft, so this may be a totally rudimentary question. <laughs> But trust me, there's someone else out there that's going, I don't know. So softbox is off to your right. And Correct. do you normally go up about 10, 20 degrees? Do you normally keep it about head level? Well, the thing is with flash photography, uh, whether it's in a softbox or not, if everything has to be on the same plane to have... Uh, to get an even exposure. So in other words, if uh, you're photographing three people in a line in front of you, like one behind the other, the person in the middle might be correctly exposed, but the person in the front might be overexposed, the person in the back might be uh, underexposed. So I have it off to the right, kind of like at an angle, so it's kind of like evenly illuminating them, and then I had to do some burning and dodging in, in Photoshop. Okay, that... that that makes sense. So I, it, something just hit me. You're in Italy, and these are three ladies in their 70s that look yes. like they're 25. Is yep. there a language barrier? Uh, no, they speak English. Okay. All right. And I think, I think these ladies are from Germany. People come from all over the world, Steve, to uh, participate in this. It's really a magical thing. You could go there and get amazing pictures. I have a gallery on my website of people outside. But if you want to get pictures like this, you have to go like on a workshop because people who run the workshops book these uh, models and book the inside palaces and hotels uh, years in advance. So this shot does something. I mentioned your sal salmonisms earlier on. And this shot hits a ton of them to me. One of which is not only the rule of thirds, right? The foreground subject on the left on a rule of thirds, the... Uh, center model and the center of the intersecting walls on a rule of third. And those two walls create leading lines and you have the rule of threes or rule You're of the odds. rule of odds. Right. So this image really compositionally hits everything and i know you've done it so much that that a lot of that while you're doing it is is not a conscious thought it's just a thing but i am curious for this shot when you walked in the room and you said you know i knew that there was one shot that was best are you in your head somebody let, let's take a hypothetical you know jimmy john for his first time goes to a workshop in venice and he goes into a scene like this and he's panicked because it's his first workshop or whatever <laughs> um when you walk into a shot like this 
Are you thinking, where's the leading lines? Are you thinking, how do I offset an odd number of subjects? Well, let me ask you a question. Did you ever photograph Santana? I have not. It's a, he's a bucket list item. Oh, man, he's so good. Well, anyway, if, if I were photographing Santana and I, and I was listening to him, I probably would ask the same kind of questions, but he, like Santana or Clapton or any of these guys, I don't think they're thinking about what key they're playing in, how they're playing the notes, or how they're using their pedals, how they're bending the notes, right. uh, how, what mode, which is diff different than a scale, what mode they might be. I think they just do it. So I think one of the benefits, there's a lot of, lot of negatives to being as old as I am, <laughs> especially when you wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, what happened? I, I was 21 a couple of Yesterday, years ago. Yesterday, yeah. Yesterday. I think you just do it because I wasn't thinking about uh, any of that. The main thing I was thinking about was the light, the placement of the light. You know, okay. And I just asked, asked the models to like move around. This picture also illustrates another thing. And uh, I'm sure this uh, what's great about photography, right? What you learn in one area applies to another area. Like when you're photographing a rock star, you have a great shot on your site of a of a woman. She's down low. She's really getting close to the camera, and she's looking right at you. So another of these one-liners uh, is you know see eye to eye, shoot eye to eye. So I'm trying to shoot on the subject's eye level, and I'm also looking for separation. So I think if if you do this a lot a long time, like Santana playing guitar or or whomever, you just you just do it a lot, and it it, it has to become second nature. Has to become like iPhone photography because if you get bogged down and all that right. stuff, you're never going to get the shot. Which, by the way, I know I saw that you have yeah. the new iPhone. Yeah, the uh, the iPhone 10s or XS Max. I thought it was going to be too big, but I will say the camera is is actually so far very nice. I'm impressed with it. Um, so the room, the room yeah. on this shot is actually really fascinating to me because again. Anybody who's been to Europe understands that the rooms in Europe are, it's not like they cooperate with not a lot of background distraction, right? I mean, there are statues and, you know, wall hangings and, and moldings. It, it's, it's a very, very busy background, right? Yep. So when you shoot this picture or when you crop this picture, do you think, because in, in music photography, I do, right? I think to myself... Sure. You know, what do I want to leave in? What do I want to leave out? What are those intrusions coming from the side? You know, if if I've only got a floating mic here, I either need to keep the mic stand in or get the mic out of there if I can by cropping. It's photojournalism, so I usually don't clone. When you're looking at this and you're cropping it and you've got statues everywhere, do you think to yourself about that crop and, and where you're cropping even a background object? Absolutely, because... You know, I have a, a book on creative visualization, which I think you have. I have a whole chapter on composition. A whole chapter after that is on separation. So not only are these models separated, but they're separated from from each other. They're separated from distracting elements in the in the background. Now, all this said, that's true. The front model's head doesn't intersect the, the right. statue. Yeah. Okay. Well, all this said, Steve. It is a, it is, you know, my next book, actually the 40th book is going to be Rick Salmon's Dumb Luck Shots. I mean, <laughs> everything came together. I mean, it, I mean, the models were there. The room was amazing. I basically showed up at the light, asked them to move a little. <laughs> okay, so you asked them to move a little. That That's actually one of my yeah. questions because yeah. one of my favorite parts of this shot is the anomaly that's in it. The front model is looking camera left. 
The middle model is looking camera left. The back model appears to be looking out the window. Was that luck that she just happened to look that way or did you ask her to? I did ask her to because I didn't want to ever, I I don't usually like not. Well, if I'm doing some type, some type of portraits like that girl, the girl with the pearl earring that you've seen, I think strong eye contact is one way is one way to make uh, an image with impact, but you don't always have to have the subject looking at the, at the camera. And here I thought it wasn't. See, and like I say, that's, that's one of my favorite parts of the shot because again, to me, and this is kind of coming, what I shoot is more photojournalistic-y type of stuff, course. right? But, but any good picture has a story behind it. And I, I, the, as soon as you sent me the shot, my first thing was, I'm dying to know what she's looking at out the window. And that, to me, is the story. You have girls hanging out before or after a dance party or something, and then there's a girl almost like her man left or her man never came... There's so many things you can make up in your head. You took a few shots here. You come back and you've got so many shots from from this workshop. I'm going to pull up here in just a second. But what do you do? What did you do to this post-wise, treatment-wise? Sure. Uh, I use a duplex filter in Nick Color Effects Pro. Uh, which is one of my favorite filters. That's why this picture has this nice warm tone. And with the duplex filter in the Color Effects Pro, you can do all these different colors, all these different tones. You could, as you know, control the intensity, whatever. Right. But I, I didn't want it to look like a, a modern, you know, picture that was taken in 2018, which it was. I can't believe it was only taken in February. Wow, time goes fast. But anyway, so that duplex filter kind of softened it, and you know. When we take out the sharpness of a scene or take out the color like I did, when we take out some of the reality, which is what Ansel Adams did making black and white pictures, uh, when we take out some of the reality, our pictures can, but not always, look a little more creative, a little more artistic. Well, and this one has that, like you say, it almost has um, an aged, weathered look without looking aged or weathered, which which I absolutely love. Like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like both of us, my friend, like both of us. So... To finish up this image before we get in into your podcast and stuff, sure. what is your normal workflow? So you come home from a shoot and you've got an image like this that we have on screen. You import, do you do, you're a Lightroom user? I use Photoshop way more than Lightroom. I teach Lightroom because I know how to use all the sliders and all that other stuff and, you know, fixing the the camera, the chromatic aberrations and all that stuff. But I I use actually a couple of people. Nick Page, I don't know if you know him. He'd be a great guest on your podcast, a young guy. Do you know him? I do not. Oh, Nick Page is amazing. He's a young guy. He has the best pictures of crashing waves I've ever seen. But anyway, uh, Dave Cross. he uses Photoshop more than Lightroom. But anyway, on site, I'll download these to my computer, and then I will um, back them up on a hard drive or two hard drives. And then I come home, and what I do on site is I only pick my favorite pictures. And then because my monitor, my laptop monitor, although it's calibrated, I might be working in a room with fluorescent lights, or it might be a red room that could you know, cast some color onto the screen. I don't do any color or exposure uh, adjustments when I'm on site. I do all that when I get home on my iMac. Okay, that that makes sense. So I wanna just run through some of these other images that will be in the gallery at behindtheshot.tv because 
you know, this one with the clouds and the girl with the big fan behind her dress. And she seems to be standing on some steps. Um, I don't even know how you kept the clouds. It's yeah, so. This is, yeah. This is going to be the back cover of Rick Salmon's Dumb Luck Shots. I saw her walking towards these stairs and I saw the sky. Like you mentioned the background before. And I think because. You're so good at your photography, you're always watching the background. If this was a gray background, right, the picture would suck. So I was I was waiting for someone to come. I saw her coming, and I got down. This says I just asked her to hold for a second. And she was in a rush because they were all going to this one area where they could uh, uh, be photographed. And she, they were all so nice. And, they, again, they don't want money. Uh, they just want to give you their card, and they want you to send them a picture, which I did. But I also like the way those two pillars on the uh, left and the right kind of like frame her and yeah. i kept the sky because what i do when i process my pictures i what i say is well you mentioned you know cutting out stuff from a picture before like cropping out you know painting is additive photography is subtractive so i subtracted all the people that were around either by cropping in because it's cropped kind of square and then by using uh, by cloning some of them out and then thinking selectively you know i selectively enhanced the sky i brought i added some saturation to the sky and uh, some contrast to the sky i also used d haze oh. which made the sky look a little better d haze is the greatest invention of d haze isn't the greatest right yeah it's amazing this, this, this next one is a close-up of a girl lots of lots of blue hues and just the detail in that mask is insanely good we've also got the one with the girl next to the gondolas yeah both of these the previous one and this one are daylight fill and flash pictures Wow. Okay. And again, just like the other one, I don't want my pictures to look like flash pictures. This was taken at about 5.30 in the morning. Well, and this one next to the gondola pier, um, yep. again, the clouds, and you've got an odd number. There's that rule of odds again. You've got an odd number of lanterns. Right. And her head, She's separated, this is where right. I see people make mistakes, is they just they position her there. They think everything's here to make a beautiful shot, and they snap it. But they don't think about the fact that in this picture, her head is in a clean spot. And everything in the scene's in focus. And if you can, can you go back to the previous one where you said yeah. the girl? It may not be a girl. Oh. So you don't know. So that's why people can go here and they could be anybody they want. It's, it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. This one with the girl looking out the window that has the soft feel. Right. And you see her reflection in there. Yeah. And, and the reflection is tack yeah. sharp. Uh, <laughs> just such a story. And then the Venice shot. The yeah, this color. is actually in Verano. This is a little uh, ferry ride away from Venice. But what I liked about this, you know, one of the tips, and you do this with your photography, I see you place the subject off center. But what was lucky, the wind came up and blew her veil, daylight fill and flare shot. And I like the way all those colors, you know, they lead you down that little canal there in, in Verano. Uh, again, this is a setup shot. Everybody on the workshop got a similar shot. Yeah, just beautiful. I love your work, man. I love your work. So those <laughs> pictures and a full blog post will be at BehindTheShot.tv. And Rick does a lot of things. He's got all the books. There'll be a link for his Amazon link for all the books at the blog post. Uh, I've put up throughout the show your various you know, social media links. So you've got 
you know, your normal, your normal uh, uh, website, which is there's two of them, ricksalmon.com. And then there's also picturingsuccess.com, which I, I want to touch on a little bit. We've got your Facebook link and your Instagram link are both Rick Salmon Photography. And last but not least, your Twitter link is just Rick Salmon. So Rick, do me a favor and, and explain your podcast. Yeah, well, it's called the Picturing Success Podcast, and it's basically about photographers who are successful. And we ask them why they're successful and how they stay successful, what they do, whether it's social media or working or being different. But it's not just about photography. We had uh, one of my friends on who teaches meditation. And I think that was a very helpful uh very helpful podcast to some people because people like me need to people like me need to relax a little more. Yeah, well. uh, we're having on. I'm having on uh, Dr. Eric Sherman, who has a, a book out called uh, "The Pathway to Pain Relief" or "Pathway to No Pain," something like that. And he and a team of uh, psychologists cured me of incurable back pain after having an operation, a, a disc removed, where I was crippled on the floor for six months. He and his team, this was uh, 30 years ago, he cured me. So, uh, and actually Howard Stern dedicates one of his books to uh, Eric Sherman, one of Eric Sherman's contemporaries, Dr. Johnny Sarno. So it's, it's uh, you know, I met a Buddhist monk once, uh, Steve, and he said, I said, what's the most important thing in Buddhism? And he said, being healthy. He said, if you're not healthy, you can't do anything else. So I made, a few years ago, I made being healthy my number one goal in life. And uh, so I think about that every day. So it's, it's, you know, it's, I'm sure a lot of people are going to listen to that show or hear me now and say, what the heck is Rick Salmon talk about? I have a MRI that shows I have a herniated disc and that's why I have the pain. Well, Dr. Sarno proved to me and millions of other people that herniated discs don't cause back pain in 98% of the cases. Well, I'm glad one that you're free of the back pain now, me but too. your guests, part of the reason I love picturing success and I was honored to be actually, I think episode number seven, but the variety of people that you get from a Lauren Hutton to, um, you know, the, the myriad of photography based guests, but also guests from all walks of life. And all of them don't just discuss photography. Like you say, they discuss just success. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Scott. Well, our basic conversation was guy. about, uh, yeah, the big hack man. He, we talked about Joseph Campbell and the uh, interviews that Bill Moyers did with uh, Joseph Campbell and how, you know, there's a lot of other things that go into life than just photography, like, uh, uh, you know, like understanding understanding myths. That's one of Joseph Campbell's big things, understanding myths and beliefs. And if you you're tuned into this. If you go into like a village in Papua New Guinea where I've been, and you know that if someone's sleeping in a village in Papua New Guinea, by the way, you don't wake them up because they feel that when they're asleep, the spirit leaves the body and takes revenge on people who have done bad things to your family. And you think about, and you go to the skull caves and you learn about all this stuff. I wish uh, the audio listeners could have seen your face when you did that. Yeah. But, you know, I was, I was in skull caves where they have trophies from the... Uh, from the clan wars that they have. So, you know, understanding life really helps you become a better photographer. You know, you know what's funny, Steve? I go to these shows and I'm at a, I have a table with my books, right? And all Scott Kelby, all these other people have tables with their books. And guess what? 
Of course, though, I may be, you know, uh, an exhibitor with a bunch of tripods. People buy way more tripods than books. I'll tell you that right now. Because they think that tripod's going to make them a better photographer. And, you know, what you're doing with your podcast is great. It's education, you know? Yeah, if which we talk about, You know, if we, talk, if we started out talking about, well, you know, the difference between a really right stuff tripod and some other tripod is, you know, the ball head is great and things like that and the legs. Some people would love that. And actually, this is shocking to me. The most popular uh, page on my website is the gear page. People, well, people think if they shoot with what you shoot with it, they'll shoot what you shoot. And well, they do. And you know, I try and explain to them first, put yourself in a good position to get a good shot, but also be willing to go back again. You know, it's amazing yeah. how many people don't realize that you know you went to Venice and you shot the model on the stairs and you got home and and you just don't like it. Well, that was the day the clouds weren't cooperating. So, right. yeah, it's one of those one of those so again thank you so much for being on the show i really appreciate it and again my my episode number 50 i've got the godfather of photography i can i can quit now <laughs> well i hope not because i know uh, tons of people love your show and right after we get off this we're going to record you for the picturing success podcast which i can't wait because you know i'm a musician at heart and i love your music uh your music uh, and all your photography but your music pictures your stage you really capture the the mood and the feeling, and the mood and the feeling is way more important than the tripod. <laughs> yeah, it's always a goal you, to make people feel can't. like, if I was at that show, now I get right. it. Right, right. Yeah. So, Absolutely. well, again, Rick Salmon, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. To everybody else, all of the shots that I showed are going to be on the website at behindtheshot.tv. There'll be a blog post specific to this episode. You can find me at stevebrazel.com. Uh, if you're interested in social media stuff, then uh, Facebook, it's Steve Brazel Photography. Instagram and Twitter are both the same. It's just at Steve Brazel. Make sure you follow me. And again, if you are subscribed to the podcast, make sure you drop us a review and a rating. It would be much appreciated. There's both an audio feed and a video feed. And keep in mind, the old show from the old network is still in iTunes and whatever podcast uh, uh, repository you're looking through. So make sure you get the new feeds that have my name attached to them. We've also got a YouTube channel. You can find us there. Other than that, to everybody, thanks so much for joining us. This has been another episode of Behind the Shot, where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. We'll see you next time. 